four and a half months. It's been now four and a half months of grasping our great God together. And we could say uh, that it's been four and a half months of what we just sang about, lifting high the name of our God together. I trust this series has been uh, a blessing to you, an encouragement to you, and a challenge to you. I would like this, as we are coming to kind of this closing Sunday in this series, I'd like to take you back. And I'd like to go back to December 22nd, 2019. December 22nd of this past year. Uh, at that time, if you can believe this, there was no COVID-19 life drama going on in our world that at least we knew about. It was the Sunday before Christmas. It was two Sundays before we began a new decade. And we gathered together as a church family with a lot of anticipation because we were going to learn what our new church name was going to be. Uh, I mean, think about that. Entering a new decade with a new church name. I'm just going to say not many people get to do that. Not many people get to experience that. And yet, on December 22nd, we were going to be introduced to our new church name to enter into a new decade for our church. And we watched a video that uh, told us about that new name. And in fact, here's what I'd like for us to do. I'd like to force to take a minute or two. Let's watch that video. Let's remember back to that time when we were introduced to our new church name. Lying awake at night, your mind spins from one of life's pressures to the next. Perhaps life isn't what you dreamed it would be. It's definitely harder than you'd hoped. In the darkness, the phone's glow offers the tantalizing hope of an answer, or at least a temporary distraction. And so you flip through a world of shiny objects, expecting each faint reflection to offer a glimmer of hope lead to answers, joy, fulfillment, or even peace. But each pale glow is just another momentary distraction, leaving you staring at a meaningless screen in the middle of the night. But beyond the glowing screens, the blips, buzzes, songs, and sirens of the world around us, there is a true Light. Not blinding, but illuminating. Not scorching, but warm like the morning dawn. Awakening hearts and opening eyes. Darkness is overcome by this light. This light is full of grace and truth. It shines for all eternity. It's a light that fills us to the brim, flooding out in each direction bringing the hope of life to everyone around us. This light isn't us. We just hope you see it. Because it turns out that in seeing that light, we discover that this life isn't about us after all. When you embrace his glorious light, it dispels darkness so you can enjoy true hope, true joy, and true peace. simply the tour guide. You're not supposed to remember our name. 
we're here to point you to the incredible, indescribable, everlasting, radiant glory of God. I love that video. What a great representation of of what's ahead for us. Every time I watch that, literally I get goosebumps and just excited about what God has for us is Radiant Bible Church. A new decade, a new church name. What a way to finish an amazing God at work uh, decade for us. And what a way to begin a new God at work decade for us as a church. And it was on that Sunday in December that we put on a new church name that as we talked about after revealing that video, we talked about it's kind of like putting on a brand new pair of hiking boots. Those hiking boots, you know you're going to be having some marvelous adventures together in the coming years, uh, but when you first put them on, they're, they're kind of stiff, they're a bit uncomfortable, they don't feel you at the moment. And we talked about how we wanted to enter this new decade with this new church name, and it's going to take a little while for us to get comfortable with that. And so uh, we decided to uh, take this year to get comfortable in our new name, to drive home the meaning and the purpose and the objectives that are behind our new church name. And as I think about that and have thought about that whole process, I continue to go back to Joshua 3. Joshua 3, they're God's people, the Israelites. A a couple million of them are encamped on one side of the Jordan River. And they're about to step into, they're about to enter into a whole new territory for them. A territory that is unknown to them at the time. And there's so many correlations to that with what's going on for us in this season of life and ministry. And so we've decided to take this year as kind of a pause moment. That's in Joshua 3 where God tells his people, and we'll go there a little bit later, God tells his people to step back, stand back, and to behold him going out in front. And there they are to then consecrate themselves, they're getting ready to enter into that new territory that God has for them. That's what this year has been about. This year has been, if you will, a pause. A pause before entering in new territory, a pause to be able to confirm and settle in and kind of drive the stake in the ground as to who we are as a church. We've decided to take three pauses this year. Three pauses, each pause fitting with one of the words of our new church name. Pause number one was reconfirming that we want to be a church that has a big view of God, that God is a radiant, glorious God. That then, uh, we're going to be having a seven-week series. We'll be telling you more about that at the end of our time here this morning. Uh, A time to pause and secure in that that not only do we have a radiant God, but we are a people who uh, believe firmly in, in God's word and a big view of God's word. And third, we're going to then, after that, we're going to take a pause and we are going to spend some time in the book of James viewing what it looks like to be God's kind of people, to be a church. Think about that. A big view of God, 
a big view of God's word, a big view of being God's people, all three of those tell the story, tell the core value of what's behind our church name. So Lord, I pray as we conclude this series here today, this first of three, that we would be seeing you increasingly big as a faith family, as a radiant, glorious God overall. Go before us. May our eyes stay on you. And we are thrilled that we get to see you do a work in our lives and through our lives in this coming decade and years ahead. All for your glory we pray. Amen. Radiant God grasping his greatness. 20 weeks. Today is not about kind of wrapping a bow around the series we've just been through and then kind of taking it and putting it up on the shelf of sermon series history, if you will. That's not what this is about. Today, what I really want to have happen is I'd really like to have this be where, well, kind of two statements. I want us to wrap it up, but I want us to wrap it up in such a way that we can carry it forward into the new decade. I will note here that this series has just been a daunting series for me. Each week trying to kind of preach who God is. I mean, think about that. Here we are, humans, trying to grasp a hold and teach and preach. It's been daunting. It's been overwhelming. Each week has been like starting a brand new sermon series again. Each week has been wrestling. What is the content that we put out there and what is the content that I hold back because every one of these weeks could be a series into itself because our God is indeed that big and that glorious and radiant. So as a result of this, this has kind of turned out to be a series that's not so much about defining specific items of God. This has been more of a let's see it Let's see our God, and and that is just so who I am. Let's grasp it and take it into the future. And I note that because um, uh, knowing who God is is not about a test. Uh, We don't find Yahweh in the Old Testament saying to the Israelites, okay, guys, here's what's going to go on. I've just told you who I am. Now go home, study the definitions, come back in a month, and and I'll give you a test with blanks for you to fill out to see if you've memorized the answers unto who I am. It's not that in the Old Testament. Also, we don't find Jesus in the New Testament saying to his disciples, this is who I am, now now go home, uh, study it, next week come back, and uh, we're going to do a test and see if you've been able to memorize the definitions. We don't see that happening. Likewise, we don't find Paul, not, not that Paul is equivalent to Jesus or Yahweh, but we find Paul planting churches, and we don't find Paul as he's planted churches telling them, okay, this is who God is, now study it, and next time I'm traveling back through town, I'll I'll give you a test and and grade your cognitive recollection of who God is. We don't see that. Instead, what we really see is a developing of. It's more like in Ezra 7.10, where Ezra committed himself to studying the law of the Lord and to doing it and teaching it. Uh, Listen, as we study who God is, it's to work in us and it's to grow in us, it's to mature us and uh, we're to walk in it and we're to be people who then from that, seeing who our God is, we go and we do and we teach and we be. 
So instead of closing kind of with wrapping a bow and having a definition test, I really want to wrap it up with some image, some imagery and uh, so we can carry it. So let's, let's get out of it. Let's do it. Here we go. Number one, let's wrap it up. Let's wrap it up. And I want to wrap it up with an image. And it's the image that you see here that is on the screen. We've been kind of building this image out over the series, but this is kind of all of the last 20 weeks pulled together in one image. And I don't expect you to right, to remember all of the, the words in this. That's not the point. But I think this image uh, of this has the word. Our God is radiant, and that means that Every time that we say, hey, Radiant, or we make reference to our church name, if you will, this image comes into our mind, and we are just reminded of the awesomeness of who our God is. Psalm 34, 5 says that those who look to him, they are radiant. And know this, though. David is not referencing himself as radiance. David is saying, essentially, God is radiant. And as we look at our God, the radiance of God will be uh, overflowed onto us and through us and in us. And that's what we want to have happen. And that's why we've called our name Radiant. Because God is awesome. So whenever we say, hey, Radiant, we are reminding ourselves that our God is eternal, triune, self-existent, self-sufficient, unchanging creator. That he is all-present, all-powerful, all-knowing, and all-holy. Holy. That our God is covenant-maker, long-suffering, sovereign, faithful. That he is just, that he is mercy, that he is jealous, that he is grace, that he is good, that he is love, and that he is radiant. That is who our God is. And that's every time we hear the word radiant, we think of this. Let me take this image and let me put it with a concept. Uh, if you haven't, turn to your Bibles to Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1. By the way, if you're going to be going on, uh, if you signed up to uh, go through the drive-through this afternoon to get some Radiant Bible Church bling and uh, just to say hi to us on the drive-through, uh, in that bag you're going to be getting a magnet that has this uh, image on it. And we want for you to post that up in your home, in your office, as a reminder of who our God is. And when we pull all this into Joshua, I think this is what we see taking place with God's people in Joshua 1 and 3. Let me read verses, uh, the beginning verses of chapter 1. It says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is now dead. Now, therefore, go, arise. Go over this Jordan, you and all the people, into the land that I am giving them to the people of Israel. And every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I have promised to Moses. From the wilderness unto this Lebanon, as far as the great river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites and the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. And just as I was with Moses, Joshua, so I will be with you. I will not leave you. I will not forsake you. Therefore, Joshua, be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. 
Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. Verse 6, I'm sorry, verse 8, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous, then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous, do not be frightened, do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Look at verse 5, I will not leave you or forsake you. Verse 9, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you will go. Look over at chapter 3, verse 1. Then Joshua rose early in the morning and they set out uh, from Shatem and they came to the Jordan. He and all the people of Israel and lodged there before they passed over. Go down to verse 4. Yet there shall be a distance between you and it, about 2,000 cubits in length, about a half mile Do not come near it in order that you may know the way you shall go, for you have not passed this way before. And then Joshua said to the people, consecrate yourselves. Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. And Joshua said to the priests, take up the ark of the covenant and pass on before the people. So they took up the ark of the covenant and went before the people. You see in verse 7, again, God repeats, I will be with you. And uh, chapter 1, I will not leave you or forsake you. I will be with you. And the big thing here I want for us to drive home is who? Who is saying that? Who is with them? Who is with them is our radiant God. Our eternal, triune, self-existent, self-sufficient, unchanging creator, all-present, all-powerful, all-knowing, all-holy, covenant-maker, long-suffering, sovereign, uh, faithful, just, mercy, uh, jealous, grace, good, loving, radiant God. That's the one who promises to be with them. That is who is with them. And that is why it says, be strong and courageous. Do not fear This is a biblical theme that we see through all of Scripture. In fact, listen as I read some of these passages. Genesis 26, 24. The Lord appeared to Isaac and said, I am the God of your father, Abraham. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. Genesis 28, 15. I am with you, Jacob, and I will watch over you wherever you go. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised. Isaiah 41.10, so do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you and uphold you with my righteous right hand. Isaiah 43, 4 and 5, because you are precious in my eyes and honored and I love you. I give men in return for you, peoples in exchange for your life. Fear not, for I am with you. Jeremiah 1.8, do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and will rescue you. Jeremiah 30, verse 1, I am with you and will save you, declares the Lord. Haggai, uh, you've been there recently. <laughs> Haggai 2.4, but now be strong, Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, all you people of the land and work, for I am with you declares the Lord Almighty. But Doug, these are all Old Testament people. Doug, these are talking to the Israelites. 
Yes, but understand this. We are not talking about the promises that God has for them. We are talking about who God is. And it began in Genesis and it continues. In fact, listen, New Testament, Matthew 1, 23. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Matthew 28, 20, post the resurrection, when Jesus is talking to the disciples with the great commission and he says, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Romans 8, 35 to 39, Pastor Cody made reference to it earlier this morning. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. We add Hebrews 3, 13, 5 and 6. Keep your life free from the love of money. Be content with what you have for he has said I will never leave you nor forsake you. In Revelation 21 and verses 1 and 3, Then I, John, saw a new heaven and a new earth, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. What am I saying? I'm simply saying this. This is not information about our God that is just cognitive information that we just post up on the refrigerator, and we go, isn't that cool? We are reminded that this God, that this God that we post up on our refrigerator, post up in our offices, post up before us in our car, that this God is with us. And all who know him as their Savior all who have been redeemed through the work of Christ and received the gift of grace of the work of Christ, all, all of us and his church, we have this God. And this is the God who is with. And in fact, with that, just to kind of add to it, Romans 8, 9, the Spirit of God dwells in you, believer, Verse 11, through the spirit who dwells in you. Verse 15, Romans 8, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons and daughters by whom we cry, Abba, Father. And lastly, 2 Timothy 1.14, the spirit of God dwells in you. As I'm trying to wrap all of this together, I don't want for us to walk away from this series and just go, that was awesome information. I want for us to grab a hold of it and realize that if you know Christ is your Savior, this is your God who is with you and will never forsake you. And that's why we have the name Radiant. Because our God is all of this. Our God is radiant. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. Whatever is ahead in this decade and the decades to come, this is our God who goes before us. That's the wrap it up. I want to wrap that and now carry it. Carry it into, look, again, look at Joshua. Joshua chapter 3, verse 3. 
It says, uh, at the end of three days, the officers went through the camp, verse 3, and commanded the people, as soon as you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God being carried by the Levitical priest, then you shall set out from your place and follow it. Go down to the end of verse 7. And so I will be with you, verse 8. And as for you, command the priests who bear the ark of the covenant, when you come to the brink of the waters of the Jordan, you shall stand still uh, in the Jordan. Joshua said to the people, come, hear, and listen to the words of the Lord your God. And Joshua said, here is how you shall know that the living God is among you. That he will without fail drive out from before you the Canaanites and all the other ites. In verse 11, behold the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth is passing over before you into the Jordan. What is it that's going before God's people in this event in history? It's the ark of the covenant. It's, it's this. Let me tell you the story about this. In Exodus 35 and 36, God tells his people after having brought them out of Egypt and and have a number of things at Mount Sinai, the whole golden calf things, and then after that, God tells his people to build a tabernacle. And then in Exodus 37, God tells his people to build the Ark of the Covenant. The, The Ark is structured in such a way that, if I can say, so relates to our church name. So it relates to what's been going on in this series. First, the ark is, if you will, the portable representation of the very presence of our God. It's where our God sits. We take all that we've been studying, if you will, and it is on this mercy seat, on the lid that is a mercy seat where the cherubim are. That is where our God is physically represented as sitting there. Our God in the presence of his people. And we also have within the ark, there is this uh, portable moving of a few articles. There's some articles of God having been at work. But the thing I want to highlight here that we, that we learn and is referenced here in Joshua 1 and Joshua 3 is the fact of, uh, if you will, the, the covenant tablets are inside the ark. Might we say the declared written word of God. And so you have the presence of God, you have the written, declared words of God, and then what goes on? God's people are the ones who not only carry it, but in the camp structure as they are in the desert, what is happening is God set it up that the tabernacle with the, temp, with the, uh, with, with the Ark of the Covenant inside of the tabernacle, every time they move somewhere and set up camp, that is in the very middle of God's people. You have the tabernacle that holds the Ark of the Covenant where is the mercy seat where God is represented, his presence is sitting, where the written, declared, if you will, words of God, the the stones of the Ten Commandments are inside of that, and then the people are encamped all around it. A radiant God, his written word, and his people all around. 
And here in Joshua 3, this is what we find, this imagery that is going on. God's people stand back. That's what this year is about. This year is about kind of pausing to stand back, to behold and to gather together in our minds and understanding who our God is. And by the way, the next series is getting inside of the ark. It is the written, declared word of God. And then the third series later this year is God's people around that. And so in this series, we are pausing pausing to grab a hold of who our God is, that we are consecrating ourselves this year to head into what God has for us in the new territory in the days ahead. Who God is, what God says, and God's people encircled around that is the centerpiece of who they are. That is what we have sought to accomplish in our name. And it begins with a big view of our God. Our radiant, glorious God. Four and a half months ago, I began this series with a quote from A.W. Tozer. It's his opening sentence in his opening chapter of his book, The Knowledge of the Holy. And he says, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. What comes into our minds when we think about God, that is the beginning point. That is the starting point. When we understand who our radiant God is and all his gloriousness, that's the starting point. That's the telling point who you and I are. What Tozer is basically saying is your view of God is what tells the reality of your story. And as a church, our view of God tells our story. And how God, how big God is in our eyes, it has to begin there. And sadly today you walk into so many churches And the underlying message that's being declared is, God is about me. Hold on. That's dangerously upside down. Yes, God is with us. Yes, God will never forsake his own. But a God is with me, a God is about me starting point is the wrong starting point. That's why we didn't call our name Me Bible Church. It's Radiant God Bible Church. Our God is radiant and we as a church, we have to start there. A big view that we, that you, that me, we are about God first. A big view glorious, radiant God. And that's what we need to carry ahead. It starts there. It starts there. Wrapped up. Let's carry that ahead. Now next Sunday, we're going to go inside the box. We're going to go from radiant to Bible. 
we're going to be spending seven weeks on a series, uh, Radiant God Trusting His Word. I'm going to have Pastor Nate and Cody come up here. They're here with us in this empty room this morning, and uh, we want to tell you about what is ahead. And with this, I just want to note that, that we are an equipping others church. Equipping others is called discipleship, biblically. Uh, That includes you. We want to grow you and disciple you along in who God is and what God says and being God's people. And and yet in that, that also includes equipping and bringing along our pastors. In the coming years, uh, I and we really see us uh, becoming increasingly a church that kind of shares this spot. And shares this spot with those that God has brought before us and is equipped to be able to preach God's word. And so uh, we are going to be passing off this series. Uh, I am passing off this series and I'm thrilled about not only this series, but I'm thrilled about the fact that Pastor Nate and Pastor Cody are going to be taking this next series. And they're going to be taking us through it for the coming second uh, seven weeks. You see, discipleship passes ministry. And so we're going to be doing that, and it's good for me. I know I only work one day a week in people's minds, but yet it's the kind of thing to where allowing them to do it and allowing you to hear different voices and even different gifting in what God has done, it's good for us. And so in this, uh, Nate, Cody, would you kind of introduce everyone to where is this next series going? Yeah, so uh, over the next seven weeks, we're going to take an opportunity to focus, like Pastor Doug said, on, uh, on radiant God trusting his word. Uh, in this series, we want to consider together both the trustworthiness of scripture and its place in our lives. Uh, Our hope through this series is not that we would just gain more knowledge, but that through this series, we would walk away more in love with the word of God and more in love with Jesus through it. I mean, hopefully we come out the other end of this, this summer, confidently trusting that the Bible is so much more than just some dusty book that sits on so many shelves around the world, right? This is the very words of God. Uh, It's God-breathed. It's without error. It's authoritative. It's the, the final word on everything that it teaches, okay? And it is necessary and sufficient, exactly what we need to live a life that's pleasing to the Lord. This is God speaking to us. Uh, Real quick, real quick, uh, Psalm chapter 19 uh, says this. says, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, 
enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the drippings of honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned, and in keeping them there is great reward. That, that's what we hope for our faith family. That's the confession that we want to be able to make. That's the high view of scripture that we believe. Uh, And in a day and a time when uh, truth is viewed as something that's merely subjective, uh, fluid, whatever you want it to be, Okay, we want to know that we have an unbreakable foundation of truth in the Bible. Uh, Cody, do you want to talk a little bit more about that? Like, why is this so critical right now? Yeah, this is a, a critical series right now because, as we all know, there are a ton of voices that are competing for our attention right now. I mean, we are constantly being bombarded with messages and baseless feel-good stories and theories and ideas, and we don't need to be tossed about or blown by the wind uh, with every new story, concept, or idea that we hear. No, we need something that's certain. We need something that's fixed, that's sure, that's absolute. We need something that's unmovable, something that's unchanging, and uh, we need to hear God's voice as the loudest voice in our lives right now, in this moment, and every day hereafter. This series, the next seven weeks, it's ultimately about truth. Uh, What is truth? Where can truth be found? Is there a final word when it comes to matters of truth? You see, there's been this consistent line of thinking throughout history that truth is something that's out there, something that can be discovered or else created by us. What happens if truth is something out there to be discovered or created by us is it makes us the central character in the story. See, I'm the hero when I go out there and I find it. Or else I'm the hero when I'm the one who looks deep inside of myself and creates that truth. What it does is it jettisons God to the background if he's even present at all. Truth then, it becomes something that's subjective something that's kind of just up for everyone's own decision. And the most important questions in this life and the life to come are up to anyone and whatever their opinion may be. It's all speculation. But this series, this series declares that God has spoken. And in his revelation, it has removed any opportunity for speculation. God has spoken, so I don't have to discover truth somewhere out there, somewhere in the universe or somewhere deep within my heart. I don't have to create truth based on what works in my life or based on what feels good. No, instead, I need to fix my eyes on what God has said. I need to tune my ear and hear what his voice has spoken. In this upcoming series, we're not leaving the past 20 weeks behind. No, we are bringing this view of our radiant God into the next seven weeks. We keep radiant God in the title, trusting his word, 
Because it's this God who has spoken, the all-powerful, the all-knowing, the all-present, holy creator of heaven and earth, the God who is loving and just and gracious and merciful and good and jealous. It is this God who has spoken. And so as we hear his words, we all have a choice, right? The choice is, hey, I can hear these words and I can stand over them as the judge. And I can decide, hey, what do I wanna keep and what do I wanna cut? Or else I can take this word and I can put it kind of right next to me and say, well, I'm gonna allow it to kind of inform some of my thinking and I'll treat it like an equal partner and as I consider this and come up with my own ideas, then I'll decide how I wanna live. Or else, we can submit ourselves under the very word of God and as we hear God speak to us through his word and as the spirit of God takes these truths and impresses them into our souls, we can submit joyfully under them and say, thank you, God, for bringing clarity in the midst of the chaos. <sighs> so good. Uh, we, are, we are so grateful for the Lord's timing with this series. I mean, it's, it, it has just been fabulous to see how he's worked, allowed us to be right here, right now for this time. So, so very thankful. And it has been already, I know for me and I know for Cody, a joy in preparing for and praying towards this summer series. And we are anticipating um, looking forward to how the Lord is going to work in our midst and grow us together through all of this. Uh, Amen. And I want to thank you too. And I'm looking forward to learning from and, and participating in as someone on a Sunday to just grab a hold of the truth of this and what this is about. Well, we spent 20 weeks on our radiant God we're going to spend seven weeks securing in that radiant God who has written his word for us. And we have that. And we're going to dive into that here in the coming weeks. So thank you for taking this on. And I'm uh, grateful and we're excited for it. And what I'd like to do is I'd like to finish our time this morning by reading Psalm 145. Psalm 145. And... Uh, if I can, I'm going to try and read it in such a way that with the illustration of finishing, that hopefully our God is increasingly brilliant with who our God is. And in fact, as we look at our God, we have to be able to see him through a lens that, oh my word, Lord, you are awesome, right? And now we take that and we look into his word. And even as I do this right now, I am not gonna be able to see this to read it because I need my other glasses, but you got the picture. Our radiant God, let's close with this out. I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Look at the attributes of who our God is, his intrinsic nature as we read through this. Verse three, great is the Lord and greatly to be praised and his greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts on the glorious splendor, on the radiance of your majesty, and on the, your wondrous works, I, we, will meditate. And they shall speak of the might of your awesome deeds, and I will declare your greatness. 
They shall pour pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness and shall sing aloud of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all and his mercy is over all that he has made. All your work shall give thanks to you, O Lord. All your saints shall bless you. They shall speak of the radiant glory of your kingdom and tell of your power to make known to the children of man your mighty deeds and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures throughout all generations. The Lord is faithful in all his words and kind in all his works. The Lord upholds all who are falling and raises up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you. and You give them their food in due season. You open your hand. You satisfy the desire of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and kind in all his works. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desires of those who fear him. He also hears their cry and saves them. The Lord preserves all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. Last verse. Our mouth will speak the praise of the Lord and let all flesh bless his holy name forever and ever.